Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are back listening to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, and I am joined, rejoined, by my co-host who took himself a week vacation from the podcast to get out there and chase some monster bucks. Chase, welcome back, man. Oh, man, it's uh, good to be back. Good to be back in the uh, state of Florida, although the I'm in pretty much the same weather conditions as I was in Iowa, <laughs> so, uh, but... But yeah, yeah, it was a little hiatus there, uh, a little vacation time, and it was a good time. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it was, you know, I always fear that, I don't know this is going to sound silly to say, but I always fear that a hunt, whenever you have multiple days in a row, will end like the first day, right? Like, I, I know I know myself well enough to know that if I was in Iowa and a 140 steps out day one, I'm not waiting, Right. Like, or even like a, probably a 130 or 125 walks out. I'm probably not, I don't have the self-restraint not to shoot, shoot a deer on opening day, just of the, of the trip, because I just want the trip to be something, right. Something other than I just drove there for 14 hours and then showed up and shot something. And it sounds like you had one of those trips that was just like (laughs) plot twist after plot twist after plot twist. And it kept you on your toes the whole time. Yeah, it definitely was uh, one of those trips. Uh, I mean, you have this idea before you go out there with like information that you're given secondhand of kind of like what is what it's going to be, and then when you get out there and it kind of turns into something completely different, <laughs> yeah. then you you just got to be on your toes and uh, constantly making adjustments. That that's it. So kind of we we in a previous episode kind of recap that you had some private land to go out there to hunt. Um, you kind of got out there. Let's let's talk about kind of why you picked the days that you did. Uh, obviously, schedules matter, but you were going there in anticipation of like you know heavy pre rut, but not lockdown, right? Yeah, I mean the main reason we chose the dates we did is because my buddy had to be back on a certain date, um, and that was basically the whole basis for the dates that we chose. Uh, I actually wanted to go out there. A little bit later, about a week later, uh, then we went out. And even looking at the weather forecast um, before we left, uh, I was still wanting to go out there a week later <laughs> uh, than when we left. The whole basis of it was my buddy had to be back at a certain time. And we knew if we wanted to get so many days out there that we had to leave when we left. So I know that you put a lot of prep into kind of getting out there and making sure that you were equipped for everything that was coming for uh, coming your way, and I think un- unanticipatedly, you are right, an unanticipated consequence. Unfortunately, was this monster warm front that we had roll through. Um, <laughs> did that have you bummed out any? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, because <laughs> I've just heard how weather plays such a big factor uh, when you're hunting in the Midwest uh, in some of those states. I mean, you're talking about temperatures that for most of the trip, you'd get in the stand in the morning and it'd be somewhere around 50 to 55 degrees in the morning time. And in the afternoons, you were hunting somewhere around 75 uh, degrees. It was getting up to 75, 76 degrees every day in in Iowa in November. (laughs) And talking to uh, Tyler, the guy 
um, that we were staying at his place. It was a really nice place that we got to uh, actually stay at. And uh, on his property, he was like, I've never seen this. Like, literally, we had seven straight days of that weather and a south wind. Like, the wind was out of the south the entire trip. Um, It never turned. Um, Maybe the first morning. The first morning, it was kind of out of the north a little bit, but it was already kind of swirly and shifting uh, as we were sitting um, to the south, and it just stayed that way the entire hunt. So in his farm, uh, or the one of the places that we hunted, was it wasn't really set up for a south wind. Uh, that was one of the kind of the things we were dealing with is there's nothing really set up for a south wind. And the number one issue that I felt like pretty much on the private when I hunted it was access. Like all the time we talk about access routes, like getting to your stand locations. And there was just no good way, other way to really access that property other than to come in pretty much opposite of how you would want to come into a property. Um, to, be, to not being, to not alerting deer, um, and then your wind just pushing, like it re- literally almost the wind's kind of at your back a lot of the times mm-hmm. while you're walking in, which is never good <laughs> um, for access. So if I had to sum up the sum up two things it was probably weather and then just access on that property um were two of the things that i was dealing with um a lot of the times out there yeah i I think also didn't you mention that standing corn was like everywhere that none of the crops were pulled down um yes uh at least next to this property uh (laughs) there was a huge amount of standing corn right up next to it Right, um, and then across the street too. <laughs> yeah. So there was there was still standing corn, like everywhere else, the corn was down. But for some reason, right next to uh, this property, uh, there was a ton of standing corn still left. And of course, they didn't start cutting it until uh, the day before we were leaving. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it, yeah. it seems like it seems like legitimately you had everything stacked against you, like every. Every measurable that you didn't want to have happen happened for you on this trip, with the one saving grace being uh, evidently no one believes in public land hunting in Iowa. <laughs> well, you weren't supposed to mention that on the podcast, but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, that the, the public land part of it was, I mean, it was an audible. I mean, at some point during your trip, if things aren't right. going your way, you've got to go, okay, I'm going to call an audible. I mean, originally going out there, I think there was just some miscommunication maybe between my buddy and his contact out there of that we were going to have four to five properties to hunt uh, while we were out there. And then when we get out there, that's not really the case. We're mainly just mm-hmm. hunting one property um, that was around 100 acres. Um, and we did kind of move a little bit. That kind of changed as the week went on a little bit to like one other property. But... Going out there the whole time, I'm thinking, hey, I've got five properties to hunt going out there. So you're not really thinking access is going to be a problem or maybe standing corn is going to be a problem or the wind's going to be an issue <laughs> when you go out there because of so many different options that you're thinking about. So I, I was at that point, I'm thinking, okay, well, if this is what we've got whenever we get there, after a couple of days, you're like, well, maybe we need to look into hunting some public for a little while just to change it up and uh fortunately it was able to find a piece of public that was about five miles away from where we were staying and it was over 2,000 acres of public Mm. and so we're like hey let's just go check it let's just take a afternoon and go scout some of this public check it out and mainly just to scout people see what it looks like um see if see if it's worth hunting and get out there drive around and i think i saw the most trucks i saw in any given day on that piece of public was three Mm. so three trucks on two thousand acres (laughs) yeah one in in the land of milk and honey yeah one was (laughs) one was out of state one was an out-of-state tag and the other 
other ones were residents of Iowa that were there. And there, and yeah. there were, there was a day that I only saw one truck out there, like the entire day. <laughs> I'm so jealous. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, well, I guess this isn't getting, pre-. and, and but from what I've heard and what the guy was kind of telling me is that a lot of Iowa residents are kind of like fair weather hunters. They're not going to hunt mm-hmm. unless it's cold. And it, I mean, it wasn't even close to being cold. Um, to their, uh, to what they think is cold, uh, right. 50 to 75 is like, uh, probably ungodly warm for them, uh, that time of year <laughs> and they won't even hunt. <laughs> like if it, if it's not cold, they're, they're a lot of them aren't going to be in the stand. And some of it was during the, like the middle of the week, but we went there on the weekend. I'm talking the three trucks was on a weekend, Walter. That was on a Saturday. That's nuts. Three trucks was on a Saturday. <laughs> and then a Sunday, there was hardly nobody out there. I think, and a lot of it has to do with, I mean, there was actually quite a bit of public in that area. Like we just chose one of the, one to kind of focus on because you only have so many days. Not like I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this public today and scout it. I'll go to this public tomorrow and scout it. Um, there was probably five or six pieces of public within 20 something miles of where we were staying at. So I don't know what those were like. I, 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 that some of those may have been preferred over others. Um, I'm not sure because I never really went and checked those out, uh, some of the other could ones you, out. Could you imagine what those must have been like if they were preferred based on what you were seeing on that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> why, why don't you kind of like shift? Why don't you – I guess maybe we've just kind of glossed over everything, but why don't you kind of tell everybody what the hunting was like? like kind of give them a breakdown of what you were seeing or how the hunt itself actually went. Okay, well, um, we got out there, and then basically on the first morning, Tyler, who we were, uh, who place we stayed at, and he actually hunted quite a bit with us uh, on his piece of property that he had that butted up right next to the piece we were hunting. Um, he was like, "Well, I've got a, I've got a couple of like preset stands on this property. Um, if you guys want, because we got there late. I mean, it was a seventeen-hour drive from where I live to get there." And we got there probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, Iowa time. I talk with him mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, I've got a couple of like presets kinda over here. They're non intrusive. Uh maybe an observation type sit or they could be a kill sit, um, depending on what the deer are doing. And we, we sat those uh the first morning and I saw a few does that first morning. Uh my buddy, he actually did see a really good buck, um, but it was long ways off. Uh, and he saw quite a few does. They were kind of hanging out in the, uh, the CRP and this property was, it, it had a lot of like what they call fingers, like fingers of woods. And then there'd be like CRP type stuff, um, all around it, like CRP grass. And you had your cedars, um, wasn't a ton of woods on it. Um, just like little patches of fingers here and there. And then of course the butted up to it was, a ton of standing corn, uh, on this property. So the first day I kind of sat in those areas, just not trying not to be too, too intrusive on the property, just cause I didn't have a good idea of what the property looked like till I got out there. Um, and I didn't even get, I didn't even have any pins or anything to scout it prior to going out there. All I knew I had like a picture of it, but I didn't have any, any way to really scout it before we went out there, which, which kind of hurt some, uh, for sure. But the first day was kind of, it was kind of slow for me. Um, and, and that was actually the coldest morning we had was that first morning. <laughs> that fir- that, that first, yeah, that first morning, it was like 30 degrees or something. And I think it might've got up to 50 that day, um, that first day. So it wasn't, it, it was our best weather day the entire time <laughs> we were out there. <laughs> and after that, like we, we I kind of talked with Tyler and, my buddy, my buddy, he actually said he had some pretty good action and he was, he actually just kept moving up this ridge on a finger that was out there because of where he was seeing deer pass through. So he, his idea was like, Hey, it's kind of like a chess match. I see what all these deer are doing. I'm just going to keep moving up until mm-hmm. I find a sweet spot on this ridge. And I was kind of more, I was like, okay. He's like, 
Dad was like, well, you, you could go sit over here. And some of the areas he didn't really want us walking through because he considered those bedding areas. Um, and so I sat up and the second day, I, I actually, I had some good action the second day. Um, I actually set up on this fence line that was right next to the corn overlooking like this, uh, CRP. And then there were some, like, uh, there was a, a big Creek that kind of ran through the property and there was woods along the Creek. And I think the, the deer liked to bed, uh, in those woods kind of along the Creek and, uh, some of them would kind of bed in the CRP. But I sat there, and I think that morning I saw four different bucks that morning. And then I saw quite a few does. That's good, though. Um, yeah, yeah. It, but they were all, all of them were under, like, whatever, 115 inches. Like, there were some, a gotcha. couple of them were basket racks. Um, and two of them looked like they were around that, like, 115-inch mark, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, no mature bucks. Um, some of them, and then like I say, when there were does out there, the small bucks would kind of run after the does a little bit, but the does weren't having it. They would just haul butt and then they wouldn't even, uh, continue to chase them. You know what I mean? Like the buck would kind of mm. go over there and bump them a little bit and the does weren't having it. So saw quite a bit of that. And then that's when it started to warm up. And then it was just kind of like, it'd be like ghost town for a while. Like we're, uh, all three of us are hunting, we're texting, and then you wouldn't be seeing deer for whatever, two, three hours. <laughs> so we're like, Hey, let's just get down and regroup and we'll come up with a game plan, uh, for, uh, the evening times. Um, and I did that. I hunted kind of in that area for a couple of days and just wasn't the, the way I had to access it and everything. I wasn't a fan of, um, and I was just kind of, I was getting like less deer encounters, for those days. So I'm like, well, maybe I'm just blowing this area up by how I have to access. And it was hot. So I, I didn't know if it was either one. Um, and at that point, I mean, my buddy was actually having encounters with deer where he was at, um, along this finger. Um, he, he was seeing some bucks. Um, he actually had a buck fight, um, near him. And it's just one of those deals where he just wasn't able to get a shot. Uh, on the deer because they may be a hundred yards to the north or to the east of them or to the west of them uh, where he was at there was no real way that like would actually funnel the deer so it's just one of those games where you're playing I'm gonna set up here today and then all the deer might be a hundred yards to the east of you and then you move to a hundred yards to the east of you and then the next day they're a hundred yards to the west of you <laughs> just just one of those games <laughs> where you're just like oh, I'm gonna sit here and then they walk right by where your stand was the other day <laughs> Um, and the Tyler, I mean, he kind of mentioned when we got it, he's like, yeah, some of this stuff is you, you almost need to sit, you almost just need to sit in this area for your seven days that you're here. And eventually a big buck will walk by, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. somehow they talk like some funnels and pinches and stuff. Like if you just sit there long enough, uh, something, a buck will come by that area at some point. Um, and I wasn't really willing where I was at. I was just like, man, I'm not going to sit in the same spot all week. Just hoping a buck might come cruising through at some point during the week all day long um it's just not my style <laughs> of hunting and so after a few days of just kind of trying to figure some things out and watching the deer activity dwindle down some uh, we kind of make a plan it's like hey let's go to we, we've got public nearby let's go scout the public so we went out and scouted the public some looked good there wasn't uh, we scouted the people. Of course, there wasn't any really to scout. Um, and then I think the next morning I kind of went in. I just kind of walked into an area and sat up. And I did actually see a buck that morning. My buddy was hunting the private still. He he was still kind of chasing those deer on that finger on the private. And he and the same thing was happening to him. He was just getting less and less um, deer encounters. Wasn't seeing uh, the amount of deer right. that, he, that he had been seeing. So we decided, okay. We're just going to hunt public that evening. And I had kind of scouted this one. We had scouted this one area uh, on aerial. Um, we hadn't, and you could kind of glass it because that was the other thing out in Iowa, <laughs> which I really didn't consider when I went out there. I'm thinking Iowa is like flat land. You know what I mean? Just flat cornfields. You, right. you can see just to the horizon. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, there's nothing in the way. So we get out there. And there was an elevation change of like 900 feet in these places, like these big ridges 
And I'm like, holy cow, this was, I was just, I wasn't expecting that. Um, mainly because I didn't know exactly where we were hunting pretty much the entire time until we went out there, which was, I kept trying to get my buddy. I'm like, Hey, can you get some pins of these areas we're going to be hunting and just different things like that? I just didn't mm-hmm. know. It was just like, Hey, you're going to go hunt four or five properties in Iowa and it's Iowa. So it's going to be money. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that was kind of the vibe I kept getting. So scouting that, I could see this ridge, and I'm like, oh, that was like that ridge looks, it looks awesome. And I actually, I think we actually glassed a deer that was on the ridge over there. So that afternoon, I'm like, hey, and it looked like there was an access kind of road that you could take pretty much all the way back there, and there was never anybody parked over there. So I go in there that afternoon. Well, it wasn't an access road. It was like this little deer trail, basically, that you could take a mile back <laughs> in. And uh, it was, I mean... There was all kinds of thorns, bushes, just everything trying to get back to it, which was fine. I'm like, well, there's probably not a lot of people making this trip uh, to begin with. So I get all the way out there and I've got my um, platform, sticks, everything saddle, and I'm going to find a spot to set up. And once I get to this, to that, to the point of that uh, ridge, there's literally nowhere to set up. Like, there's really no trees to set up in. That was another thing out there. There, was, uh, there wasn't there was a ton of trees to choose from in some of these areas uh, that you could hunt from and be more than, like, eight feet off the ground. Um, there were some in hardwoods. They did have some hardwood areas that you could, but some of these areas were just, there just wasn't trees there <laughs> to mm. actually even be able to hunt from a stand. So I'm out there walking, and I probably spent, like, an hour just looking for a tree. <laughs> to get set up in, in an area where I thought I might have a chance and walk in this area, this real, and it kind of went down into this, this, like some CRP area and I'm walking, walking. I'm, and it's like 75 degrees at this point. I'm, I'm just getting tired. So I'm like, I'm just going to go back up to the top of this Ridge and I'll probably spend the evening just glassing. I'm like, Hey, I'll just glass and see what I can see. And the funny part was, is I get to this spot where I'm going to glass and I'd already walked by there, I think once. And I kind of plopped down because it was getting to within the last hour or something of light. Anyways, I kind of plopped down. (laughs) I hear some noise. I look up and there's two does and probably 130 inch eight point just haul butt um, across the CRP 15 yards from me. Like they were bedded next to the cedar tree about 15 yards to where I plopped down to where I decide I'm going to glass for deer. And I'm like, of course, of course there were, of course there were deer within 15 yards of me. And I'm sitting there glassing and I just happen to look down in this bottom and I can see this doe kind of walking um, away from where I was at. And right behind her is a big buck. Like I could just tell body, body size wise, I could tell it was big. And I'm like, okay, this, and he, he had, looked like he had a real good set of antlers on him too. And they just got up and he was just like in tow with her, following her. A lot of times I would be, when I was bumping deer, I was bumping buck sandos together. Even when I was out scouting, like I did bump quite a few deer, um, out scouting. And it wow. seemed like a lot of them were bedded. Like they had already kind of were locked down with does. And so I see them take this path, and I just watch them the whole time. I watch them go up this um, hill, crest the ridge, go back down. So I'm looking at my onyx, and I'm kind of figuring, I was like, well, maybe they're going to these fields because I think there was there was some standing soybeans, and then there was some cut corn fields um, to the north, and not too far, maybe a half mile, half mile to three-quarters of a mile from where they were at. And I figure I was like, well, maybe they're just going out there for the evening time. And then they'll come back in the morning. So I had a plan. Okay, well, I see where they're at. That next morning, I know there's no trees to get in. I'm just going to have to go to ground game at this point. Um, so that next morning I get up. And I, the, where they went, there wasn't actually an access path where you could just walk straight back um, like the mile, mile and a half um, to get to get to there. So I get to an area kind of where I thought they were um, going to be coming back through. Um, the following mm. morning and I'm sitting down and it's breaking daylight and I have this deer coming towards me and I'm thinking, Oh, I was like, well, maybe this is a, a shooter and it, it keeps working towards me. It gets within 
I don't know, 12, 15 yards, and it's just a small six-point. Like, I'm on the ground, could have <laughs> shot this six-point. He had no clue I was in the world whatsoever. Just kind of moseying back to bed, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. And I and I could see a doe kind of <laughs> running, too, about 100-something yards, and I'm like, of course, I could wax this small six-point um, on the ground. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if I'm far enough. So I get up, get back on the road, start walking down this road, probably walk maybe at 150 yards or so. And there was another little bottom that dropped off um, to some trees. And I get to that bottom and I can, I I can already, I already have a doe that's like 35, 40 yards from me. And I'm just kind of looking at her. And when I'm looking at her, I can hear a bunch of uh, grunting kind of down in that bottom. Like I hear grunting uh, and a bunch of running around. So I get the binoculars up, look up, and there's this, I don't know, probably 160-inch 10-point chasing three does around in this bottom, probably 75, 80 yards away from me down in this bottom. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, just just a stud buck. Like, look, look like he had 10-inch brow times. <laughs> and he's chasing them around, and so I'm kind of behind this little berm where they, they wouldn't be able to see me, but I can just I can kind of look over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, the does, like he would kind of chase the does around a little bit, and he'd stop, and then he'd stare at them for a while, just waiting to see what their next move was going to be because they were stopped. And then all of a sudden, the three does start heading kind of my direction and working a little bit away, but I'm like, okay, well, they finally, the does finally get within about 35 yards of me. And I'm like, all right, well, if they keep working this way, I, this buck is going to have to work this way too. And he was probably just sitting there probably 75, 80 yards, just staring at him. And I'm glassing him. I'm like, all right, I just need the – all I need is for this just to play out. And I'm fixing to get a shot on this huge buck at about 30, 35 yards. <laughs> and they're sitting there, and they're, they're kind of looking around. There was a wood line that was probably about 200 yards from where we were at. And all of a sudden, the does just start booking it towards this wood line. And I'm like, no. And they probably get about 150 yards and stop. Well, of course, the buck sees them. And he hauls it right to where they're at. So they're all three, all four just sitting there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not really sure. I was like, I'll try to grunt at this buck or do something. Maybe try to get him to come back. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm pretty sure it's going to be pointless. Um, And sure enough, it was. I grunted at him a few times. Uh, snort wheezed, did everything I could, and he wasn't coming. And then they just bolted towards the wood line uh, for that morning. So that was that was probably one of the coolest encounters I had um, while I was out there. Um, I really never had any great encounters uh, actually in the tree. Like I saw a few that were um, probably 150 yards off, but that was one of the weird things while I was out there is I never could get any deer to respond to a call. Like never had it. Do you attribute that to like the weather? I don't know if it was the weather or maybe it was just too windy some of the days because some of the days Mm -hmm. it was really windy out there, but I had a couple acknowledge it. Like they would stop, like they're walking, I'd grunt at them and they would stop and look a little bit, but then they'd keep going. Like they never would commit to coming in. Um, and actually the buck that my buddy ended up shooting, uh, it was pretty much the last night that we were there. I had seen that buck that morning and grunted at him, uh, to try to get him to come in. And he just kept heading North. And then my buddy ended up shooting him that evening, probably 200 yards to the North from there, chasing does. Um, so I don't know. I, I was hoping that I would get some responses. That was the whole thing going up. There. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get some deer coming to some rattling sequences I do. They, I know they respond to grunt calls and all of that other stuff and just never had anything once remotely respond to any calling that I did. Not right. one time. So that was kind of uh, a, little, a little bit of a downer. And talking to uh, Tyler, he was kind of blown away too because he had been rattling and calling and he's like, nothing's coming, nothing's coming in. He's like, normally, um, doing rattling sequences. He goes, I've had days where I've rattled eight or nine times in a sit and Mm -hmm. five bucks would show up. You know what I mean? Like, and they may not all be shooters, but five bucks would show up to the calling. 
and he wasn't having that. My buddy never had anything respond to any of his calls. I, I, he grunted one time, and a deer did a Florida move where it just hauled butt uh, as fast as it could away from the grunt. <laughs> <laughs> and grunted at several other ones, and he was either – he's like, either they can't hear it or they're just not paying any attention to it. Right. Um, one or the other. And some of his were close, like 60, 70 yards, grunting at them, and they not coming in um, for a shot. So it, it was just a weird um, ordeal. And then – so, I, I mean, I kept hunting, and I kept going back and forth between kind of the private and the public here and there. And I think maybe I kind of maybe messed up on that. I should have just said like, all right, I'm going to go with one and stick right. with it. Um, probably should have tried some more ground stuff, uh, on the public, uh, but ground hunting's not something that we really do down here in Florida, especially with right. a bow. Right. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm not, it's not, I'm not an expert at it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I know that the hunting public does it quite a bit. So I'm like, well, it is a tactic that works out here quite a bit when you don't have so a ton if, of. If you went back, which do you think you should have committed to, the the public or the private? Uh, I think I should have committed to the public. Gotcha. Um, just because the wind, like I said, the wind never shifted on the private to be able to hunt it correctly. You know what I mean? The, right. We just had that south wind and it was hot and I was like, it's just. And on the public, I could make adjustments because I could access it from all kinds of different places. And I, like I said, I had a couple of mornings on the public where, I, I mean, I, I saw small deer, like small deer were falling through. I, I mean, it's not that I couldn't shot of shot a deer in Iowa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That's that's far from the case. I definitely could have shot a deer, but it was not the deer that I would want to shoot um, right. while I was out there. So we're taking it down. Like I said, the last night, my buddy ended up shooting that buck. It was a uh, um, that I had seen, and it he was actually cha- he chased two does out of the corn, and my buddy got a shot at him at thirty yards. Um, it was about a hundred and thirty inch or so, eleven point. Um, good buck. I mean, for a Florida person, um, yeah. they're going to be happy with it. But it's not necessarily a buck that someone from Iowa is going to shoot. And one of the cool things was, is he, I, I was hunting the next morning. I was going to hunt the next morning cause we were going to leave that afternoon. So he's like, Hey, you hunt. And of course, I mean, we even had this conversation when I was out in Kansas. Remember I had the flat tires in Kansas. Well, mm-hmm. I had two <laughs> flat tires while in Iowa. One, I picked up a nail. The other one was, I, I, I don't know. It was just a, I had a hole in the tread or something. Um, the roads out there were. Uh, it was mainly like rock gravel roads where we were at. I mean, we were out in the middle of nowhere. And the whole time, like, we were kind of – it was kind of funny because most of the time I had, like, 1X cell phone signal. <laughs> like, there was no cell phone service <laughs> um, for Verizon while we were out there. And I was like, man, I can't even do anything while I'm in the tree stand. <laughs> uh checking my phone or anything like every now and then I'd get text messages that would kind of come through that would be like hours behind or something. Or even if I tried to send a text message, cause heck I was, I was trying to like Marco Polo out there some with our group and <laughs> it would be, yeah. I would see, I would kind of get stuff through, but my stuff wouldn't go through. So I'd see, I was like, man, has anybody gotten Chase's Polo yet? <laughs> like it's still <laughs> trying to connect to come for days. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Um, so that was, um, that was another thing out there is like, and me and my buddy even trying to like coordinate text him back and forth in the stand. Like I'd have to give him, send him like an SMS text and hope it went through to him mm-hmm. for him to be able to text, uh, me back to coordinate. Okay. Well, what time are we getting down? What time do you want to go do this? And, right. um, all of that good stuff. And so the, the last morning I'm out there hunting, but I was, what I was mentioning is my buddy, he actually took his deer to the taxidermist to have it caped out because to be able to bring it back to Florida, you can't bring back like any brain matter or any of that from any of like the mm-hmm. CWD states. So, and he didn't know how to cape the the skull out uh, for a mount because he was going to mount, have the deer mounted. So he takes it to the uh, taxidermist who's apparently like this renowned taxidermist. He's been on the cover of Pope and Young magazine and, um, just all, all kinds of different things and is a big hunter himself. And he was, oh, and the other thing that we were dealing with out there, what I forgot to mention was, uh, EHD. Once we got there, the guy's like, yeah, we've had EHD like the last two years and we've lost like, uh, 10 or 11 shooters over the last couple of years <laughs> with EHD. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so 
He's like, if you'd have been here three years ago, it would have been gangbusters. I'm like, well, unfortunately, we can't draw a tag every year <laughs> to come out here. Um, so you kind of got to, you get whatever hand you get dealt, you kind of got to do with. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I just kept grinding the entire time and trying to get things figured out. And um, and even the tax service, he's like, he goes, man, it's so hot out. He goes, I haven't even been hunting either. Um, he's like, this weather is just crazy. So that morning I get out and I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to ground game it for the most part, uh, the next morning. And I was, I knew I was going to hunt till about noon or something. So I get set up in this area where I can kind of see a ways cause I'm trying to glass like all these ridges and everything else. And for the first hour I'm sitting there, I see absolutely, um, nothing, not a deer moving anywhere that, that but it was, it was like 57 degrees. The wind was blowing, probably 20 miles an hour with gust up to probably 30 that morning. Um, yeah, yeah, it was getting it. So that's how I was like, well, I'm just going to sit on the ground and see what happens. So I sat there for that first hour and then there was this area kind of on the farm cause I was on the private. There's this area on the farm that I was like, I hadn't really hadn't gone in to kind of check out yet. And I'm like, man, I need to go check that area out just, just before I leave just because, and I knew there was kind of a stand that had been set up back there too. So, I make it to the stand, and I'm like, I'm just going to get up in this stand. Uh, I'm going to get up in the stand for a little while and just kind of see what I can see from from the stand. So I get up in the stand. As I'm climbing in the stand, I finally I see a doe. I'm like, okay, there's a doe right there. And I, I got up in the stand, but I'm hooked in by my saddle because I wore my saddle in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just using the platform as uh, <laughs> my platform for the saddle. And the scan, stand was kind of sketchy anyways, <laughs> so <laughs> I was using the saddle. <laughs> I think you sent me that photo, actually. Yeah. I think that's like the one photo I got from you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, this is sketchy. I'm, and, the, and the way the wind was blowing, I was like, whoa. And, and even in the tree, I finally looked up at the top of the tree. I was like, man, this tree looks like it's got it's got it's dead up top. <laughs> so I didn't sit in that tree very long. <laughs> I only sat in a little bit. But while I was sitting there, I see this buck kind of come down this ridge. And I think it was a buck I had seen a couple of times before. And he starts hitting this rub. I think it was a community rub because there was no way that he had made that rub um, where it was at. He's hitting this rub. And then I can see he's like panting and he's limping. Like he he has this huge limp. And I'm like, man, this man's going too hard for the rut already. <laughs> um, I was like, he's already had his butt kicked. And um, so I watch him and he kind of goes down. He goes down this creek, goes up. And then not too long later, I see this doe um, coming back towards me. And running like she's being chased. So I'm like, oh, something's behind her. And I'm kind of getting ready. And I'm like, I didn't know if I was going to have a shot or anyways, kind of where the doe was going. But I look up mm-hmm. and it's it's this seven point again. He's he's chasing this doe. I'm like, oh, man. I was like, maybe I was like, maybe this is this buck is the only buck in this area because <laughs> he's I've seen him so many times. And I'm so I watch them. I watch him chase her off. And I'm like, OK, um, I'm going to get down. And I was right by this creek. I was right by the creek. So I get down. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk down to this creek. And I'm going to get in it, and I'm just going to walk it. I'm going to walk it kind of the rest of the way out. And it was probably it's probably going to be like a, I don't know, half mile to three-quarters of a mile walk out through this creek because there wasn't it wasn't a lot of water in it. It was just like patches of water, uh, like standing water that were in it. And I had been walking around with an arrow knocked like the entire time, but I had to get down into this creek, which was at the bottom of it. It was probably like a 10 foot difference to be able to get down into the bottom of this creek. So I take my arrow off and put my release back in my pouch real quick. And I had just seen where that seven point had chased that doe. So I'm like, oh, well, I said, I'm just going to walk around. And there was a bend in the creek right there. So I'm walking down the creek, kind of get to the bend and I hear this noise. And then I look up. And it is this giant 12 point right there in the creek. He runs kind of to the edge, but he doesn't run up the wall yet. And he just stops, turns, because I think he had just heard a noise. He didn't know what it was. And he turns around and looks back at me. And I'm looking at this giant 12 point, huge body too. He had the biggest body I'd seen while I was out in Iowa. So I'm kind of crouched down and I'm like, all right, what do I do now? I don't have an arrow knocks. Got and he's perfectly broadside. He's standing perfectly broadside, just looking back in my direction. So I'm just like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to try to knock an arrow. So I get an arrow out of the quiver, knock the arrow 
grab my release because it was just in a pouch in my saddle because uh, I used the thumb button release. Get it clicked on. And then finally, I guess he decides that I must be a danger or something um, because he just shoots up the creek, uh, the bank, gets up on top. And then I'm like, okay, well, I've got to try to see where he goes. So I found this little finger right near there. Get up in the finger, get back on the side where he's at, glassing, and can't can't see him, have no clue where he went. Um, so at that point, I'm just sitting down. I'm like, man, I've been here for seven days. <laughs> like a lot of my encounters haven't been like great encounters or just something weird goes on uh, to where you're almost able to close the deal but can't close the deal. I'm sitting there for a little while. And then there was some wood. And then once I got to that side of it, I was like, man, this area looks great. How come I haven't hunted this area all week? Because um, it looked phenomenal. And I look up and then I see another buck. At this point, he's walking like this little finger. And I think he was an eight point. Uh, probably in that 125, 130 class range, I believe. And he's just, looks like he's just walking up this finger. So I have my grunt call and I'm probably 70 yards from him. Hit the grunt call, nothing. Like, doesn't even turn around, act like he acknowledges uh, even hearing the grunt. Um, watch him walk up his finger, and then he grows up to this ridge and starts walking away from me. And I'm like, okay, well, it's like, that's the story of the week. Nothing wants to respond to anything or act like they hear a grunt call or snort wheeze or anything like that. Walk over there, and then I ended up bumping the seven point that had been chasing a doe out of there. So I walk all around for a little while longer, and then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go back to the creek, and I'm going to walk the creek out like I originally said I was going to do. Get about three-quarters of the way back to where um, I was parked because I I was using the guy's Ranger that morning because my truck was – my buddy had taken my truck up to get the tire fixed and make it to another bend in this creek. Hear some noise. Look up. Probably a 140-inch (laughs) eight-point in the creek. I, at this point, I did have an arrow knocked, my release ready. So I'm like, okay, cool. He kind of runs up um, the side a little bit, but and he's probably 30-something yards away. But he's cut like he's covered in brush. Like there's brush just completely covered his vitals, all that. And I'm like, well, uh, I don't have anything on him. And then he just kind of – he looks back at me for a little bit, and then he just basically runs up the, the side and disappears. And I keep walking out. There was a doe bedded in the creek. And I'm like, I, I, I was kind of putting, I was like, well, maybe because of the high winds and how hot it was, they were bedded mm-hmm. down in this creek um, because it was cool down there. Um, and like I said, there wasn't hard, there was water in certain spots, but it was dry for the most part. Um, but it was kind of muddy. So I think it was just cool down there and they were getting away from the wind uh, in that creek. And uh, that was the, uh, that was the end of my trip, man. Dead gum. Yep, yep. I never uh, – I mean, it was still good. I mean, I saw a ton of big bucks. Um, even out scouting, like I said, I bumped some bucks with does. And maybe I should – and I was thinking back. I was like, well, maybe I should have just went and set up in those areas because uh, there were hot does uh, in the areas. And then I think the hunting public had released a podcast with Kenyon or, or Kenyon had released a podcast with the hunting public um, with Aaron and Greg. And mm-hmm. they were talking about hunting the rut and it didn't come out till I didn't, I know I it saw came that. out later. And I was like, <laughs> man, if I would have heard this, I would have been so far ahead of the game. Cause I was getting, <laughs> I was doing a lot of what they said, but I wasn't like completely sure if that's what I should have been doing. And then if I would have heard that, I'd been like, okay, this is exactly what I need to do. Uh, I was on the right track. Um, for most of it, I just needed to keep grinding with that strategy. So That's I think right. just switching up, swapping back and forth and everything, I kind of um, put myself in a little hole instead of just sticking sticking with one of them and uh, riding it out. But it was a fun time. I mean, of course, I saw more big bucks this week in this one seven-day period than I've probably seen in the last 14 years of hunting <laughs> in Florida. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's not a bust. It wasn't a bust or anything like that. It just wasn't. Um, it wasn't exactly how I'd envisioned it. Mainly because I think the weather. Because, um, like I said, the weather turned like a day or so after I left. And then I'm getting a text today from Tyler saying it's on. I've seen eight or nine different bucks this morning. Just going nuts up there right now. <laughs> so that's always fun when you get that text. Uh, like two days after you leave, you get this text that it's going nuts up there. <laughs> 
and he and the funny part he had been hunting pretty much the whole time with us it wasn't like he was getting um the encounters either it wasn't like it was just he's like oh yeah he's like i'm not seeing a whole lot either i'm not having anything respond to calls either it's like this is strange um i did have oh i did have one evening where i went and hunted this small like 40 acre piece that they had and it wasn't a piece you could go hunt all day that's kind of why i just considered it out of play um it was on this cut soybean field and they had like this banks blind kind of in the center where uh in between um some patches of woods and it was more of a decoy spot so i was like you know what i'm going to give i'm going to devote one evening just to hunting uh with a decoy I was like, Mm -hmm. because you don't really do that in Florida. It's not something you do in Florida. Um, And he had had success with it. Pretty much every time he had sat there uh, this season with a decoy, he had had bucks come into the decoy. They may not have been shooters, um, but some of them were actually would have been shooters for me, but not necessarily for him uh, because he lives in Iowa. So it's not like he's going, oh, look at that 135-inch eight-point. Awesome. He's more like, oh, look at that 165-inch (laughs) eight-point or whatever. And so I'm like, I'm going to devote, just an afternoon, evening, I'm going to go sit in it. And it was a day where the winds, that was a day where the winds were like super high and it was super hot outside. Like, I'll just go sit in this um, blind, set the decoy up, had everything set up. So I get out there and this was some, some more just things that just go weird. And I'm setting up the decoy and I can hear this noise on his property, but it sounded like it was over this ridge. And I thought somebody was yelling, help. Like, I'm like, is that somebody yelling help? I'm like, is there a farmer out here that's like gotten hurt or something? And it changed from help to like, hup, hup. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look up at the top of this ridge as I'm setting the decoy up. There's guys on horses on his property, just (laughs) riding these horses on his property. And I'm like, what is going on? And they went over kind of to the neighbors. I don't, I don't know if they had lost like a cow or something. It looked like they were kind of out trying to get something. And I was like, well, it's still plenty of time left. I'm not super worried about that. And then I'm sitting in the blind. I'm sitting there for forever because it's kind of like a, almost like a last 30 minutes type thing of these mm. deer will kind of come out into the soybean field and uh, feed. And I'm sitting there and about 45 minutes before dark, um, I hear this dog barking. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, I wonder where this dog is. And then about 10 minutes later, I look up and there's this dog. He runs to the decoy. And he's just running laps around the decoy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and like 45 minutes before dark. And I'm like, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the neighbor was riding like his a side-by-side right down the fence line, <laughs> not too far away. <laughs> so the dog finally ends up just running back towards where the side-by-side is. I'm like, oh, well. I was like, well, the hunt's still not over. I hadn't seen a deer all evening at this point. And about probably 15 minutes before dark, I look because I can see kind of down this wood line and I look up and I see a buck like pop out of the wood line. And, uh, I'm like, okay, there's a buck right there. I was like, well, maybe he'll come to the decoy. It looked like a pretty decent buck, but it was kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Cause I was glassing through some woods and he just stays there. And I'm like, come on, just come to the decoy. I was like, I at least want to just see some action. I don't even care if you're a shooter or not. Come over here and destroy this decoy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can see these deer running, <laughs> trample the show. decoy. Give me a show yeah. at least. I've been here for, um, three and a half hours with no action whatsoever. Right. And he's just staying there. And then I get my binoculars up again and then I could see a doe right, right near him. So I'm like, well, he's locked down with this doe and he's just got her right on the edge of the wood line. And, uh, they just sat there the entire time until it got dark. Like they never would, uh, come out and commit to the decoy. So even my, it, even my decoy experience was had trials so and tribulations and <laughs> everything else from it. So, but yeah, I mean, I still had a good time and, uh, it's just one of those deals where if you're going to go out there, uh, and I have always wanted to be like, Hey, I don't have necessarily specific days. I'm going to go. I want to look mm-hmm. at the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think weather definitely plays uh, a big role in maybe the amount of deer you're going to see, uh, in a sit. And it, and I definitely think it did this past week because um, we just weren't seeing the numbers. And then now that there's a cold front there, the guy's texting me saying he's seeing eight or nine different bucks and so many does and everything else when it's 30 degrees out, 40 degrees instead of 75. You know what I mean? Wow. It was fun. Uh, I mean, he, he offered for me, he's like, hey, man, if you want to fly back up, if it starts going gangbusters, 
then uh, uh, feel free to come on. And I'm I'm kind of just trying to decide if I'm going to go back up or not. Because, um, I mean, I still have the tag. It's not like the tag was for that week. The tag's for the whole season. Right, right. So we'll see if I can uh, make it back up there or not. But um, Boy, it should be cool if you could, wouldn't it? Oh, it definitely would be, um, especially getting texts that you see in eight or nine bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in one morning, <laughs> and it's going gangbusters up there. So Not exactly upset with that, huh? No, 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 no. I wouldn't be. Like I said, I, if I could go up there and calling work, I mean, I'm not going to be picky at that point. I mean, a 135, sure. 140 shows up, then <laughs> I'm letting an arrow fly. You know what I mean? That's right. But yeah. just uh, I never had the opportunity. I never, ne- I never drew my bow back one time while I was there. Wow. So I was close a couple of times, That's but tough. Uh, never drew the bow back. And uh, it was it's one of those deals where you're like, oh, man, I've been waiting five years four for years. this, yeah. <laughs> four years for this. And then that's kind of what you get. But like I said, I still saw plenty of big bucks. Um, I was about to say, yeah. So I, I, can't, be, uh, I can't be too uh, upset about that. Shoot, no, man. I mean, that's a, that's a, fine, that's a fine situation right there to be in. I, I think uh, – I think obviously everybody wishes it had gone differently for you, but at the same time, I mean, so let's let's actually let's cue this up. What what were your big takeaways from this from this trip, right? Like, what did you what did you learn? What would you do differently the next time? Okay, well, I would say definitely the weather. Um, <laughs> well, you can't control that, but yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I can control the weather if I don't go up there when it's hot. No, you know that's I mean? true. That's the true. only reason yeah. I went up there when I did was because my buddy had to be up he there. Had to. Yeah. If not, I would have not even have gone up there until now. Um, right. And I wasn't planning on going up there anyways. I had kind of talked to him before that, like, hey, why don't we hunt these days? Because I had talked to several people, and they, they, I said, hey, give me a eight to ten day block of when you would come up to Iowa, you being a resident, if you weren't, when mm-hmm. you would come up. And I got the 7th through the 17th or the 10th through the 20th. And if I would have come up in either one of those blocks, the weather would have been perfectly fine. Better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I got you. So you you wouldn't have gone if the weather was warm. Right. Yep. Yep. I would not. So let's let let's say let's say you you trust the Wonderground gods and it says the weather is warm or is going to be cold. You get there and it's in its seventies. What would you do then? Go back home. <laughs> really <laughs> for you for you you're just it, it's not worth it even if you're already there if the weather's hot no no cold. no i mean if if it, it like i said it is what it is i did um i didn't have the i didn't know what i was getting into before i got there so a backup plan before you go you know what i mean instead of right. developing the backup plan while you're there um a backup plan be- prior to going out there because but I didn't know exactly where we were going. Like I should have been like, "Hey, where's the address of where we're going?" And I don't even think he got the address of where we were going until <laughs> like a day before we went. You know what I mean? Right. But not knowing that, I couldn't look up where stuff was. Like even if I wanted to scout some public, I could have been a hundred miles off. You know what I mean? Right. right um. At yeah. that point, so knowing exactly where you're going definitely helps out, um, for sure. Because then I could have been like, "Oh shoot, there's like four or five pieces of public within twenty miles of this place." Right. Um, and then doing the research on those um, prior to getting out there um, definitely would help. But if I go back to Iowa, which I will, I mean, I'm going to start, I'm going to be putting in for preference points to go back. I mean, uh, it's still the Mecca uh, and there's still people, there's still people killing bucks uh, in, in the warm weather uh, while they were up there. Um, I mean, the taxidermist, you almost did. Yeah. I mean, the taxidermist, <laughs> I mean, he told my buddies like, "Hey, I'm not getting nowhere near the bucks I would normally get this time of year uh, because I think it's because of the weather." Um, and that, but that could have been because a lot of the people weren't hunting because of the weather too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler, uh, he on these two properties that he had, like his property and that property, he has that cutty back system, that cutty back mm-hmm. where you have it's a cell camera, but then all the other cameras send. Um, right everything back to the main camera. And he wasn't even getting very many pictures on his cell cameras while we were there the entire time. Gotcha. Um, either. And a lot of it was at night. Like if he was getting good pictures, it'd be at nighttime. When I go, I'm going, I would just spend, I would actually fly out there at some point before the hunt and go scout the pieces of public. Just spend like three days out there scouting public land, all the public land out there. 
um, and do like a, a pre-trip before the trip um, just to get an idea of, uh, okay, which management areas uh, look the best and which ones I would think I would have mm-hmm. the best opportunities on. And uh, that way I would be, I'd, I'd be a lot more prepared. And then just try okay, to so try to figure out an area in between all of them. So let me put you on the spot. Weather aside, make this real difficult for you. Weather aside, what's your advice to everybody who's listening to this and is is actively putting in for Iowa? <laughs> well, I mean, you really, if you start putting in for Iowa now, I mean, it's going to. Well, it depends on what zone you put in for. Sure. So I was in the I was in the zone that takes the longest amount of time. Um. So you, you're buying your preference points. I mean, just start. If you don't have private or you're not going to go through an outfitter, then whatever zone you're in, just start looking at all the pieces of public now. I mean, you, you can scout all those pieces of public well before you get out there with an aerial. Do, do the research that way. And then maybe call uh, – a lot of times you can call the – what is it? The biologists and stuff in those areas mm-hmm. and ask them about those pieces of public. And most of the time they'll tell you exactly like, oh, yeah, this is about how many deer we think are taking off here a year. These are the sizes, things like that, and get all that information well prior to hand as opposed to just um, blindly buying your preference points and waiting till the the end to kind of decide what Mm -hmm. you're going to do. And most Mm -hmm. people are going to do that. Um, I had just... It had kind of been been built up so much of what the trip was going to (laughs) be. (laughs) <laughs> and then all that changed. So you, you just right. you, you just got to make changes on the fly at that point. But hopefully right. uh, to anyone else, the, don't let that be a part of your equation. Maybe maybe what we should do is since I'm in year well year one of the application phase, maybe one of the years coming up, we should go up there during turkey season and uh, turkey hunt it and and spend a lot of that time scouting some of the WMAs we want to because you. <laughs> You got all that uh, winter sign still on the ground. You could go uh, figure out where your areas are. Yeah, I think you could. Um, I think, well, the problem with Iowa, what do you get? Like one tag, one turkey tag in Iowa? And I think it's pretty mm-hmm. expensive. For, oh, is it? For out-of-state person. Oh. To hunt. I thought it was relatively cheap, but I w- I'm obviously No, mistaken. I thought Shane Simpson's told us on that podcast that Iowa's was one of the more expensive tags, and you get one gotcha. tag. Oh, that's right, and they've got those four funky seasons, right? Like it's a three, five, fourteen, and twelve day. Like, yeah, yeah, they got weird seasons, but there were turkeys up there too. So I definitely heard and saw turkeys while I was. That's up there. awesome. So, yep. Well, dude, it sounds like you had an awesome trip. You know, I I've gotten out of a groove with things because you haven't been here. We didn't even thank the people that made this episode possible. You know, I just want to say thanks to to all the Patreon members who who tuned in that entire time and, and have been supportive and, and, and encouraging and, and participated in our Marco Polo group. We've had a, a really good time chatting with them. In fact, Chase, while you were gone, the group uh, grew by two, it looks like. So uh, we added two new patrons to the Patreon group. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, Patreon is a crowdfunding mechanism that allows us to buy licenses, tags, equipment, gear, all kinds of stuff that goes towards the operating cost of this podcast and allows us to expand our horizons. And so if you're interested in being a part of, of the, the, the Marco Polo group that we've got, contributing to the show, maybe getting some free swag as well, and winning prizes that we give away four times a year, we'd love to see you over there. The link is in the show notes. You can just scroll down, click uh, the link, and, and go join Patreon. Oh, well, one of the things I forgot to mention during the entire podcast is some of the gear that I used. And one of the the pieces of gear that was probably the most uh, important while I was out in Iowa was my Scree gear. Um, We have kind of partnered with Scree, and they have sent us some gear to uh, try out. And I took a bunch of pieces of the gear out to Iowa, uh, and I actually used all of it. I used pretty much everything (laughs) that I had. And even at the end, I was wearing the early season, the Uinta pant and the uh, the 150 Merino tops at the end. And uh, I went through, I put it through the torture test on this trip with a lot of the scouting. And I was just super impressed with how all of it held up. If you're interested in checking out Scree, uh, we do have a, a discount code. And that is chasing tails, all caps. And that'll save you 15% off on a purchase. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We have to obviously thank Tethered. We've been with them for quite some time. Their saddles and gear are top-notch. If you're looking for a new lightweight climbing system, the Tethered, the one 
climbing stick should drop very soon. We'd encourage you to go over there, sign up so that you're notified when it drops. I can tell you in firsthand experience, those sticks are the best sticks on the market. I mean, they are just unreasonably light, compact, and well thought out. So we appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in every week, watching the videos. Dude, we've we've broke a thousand uh, subscribers while you were gone. We've hit some some big landmarks and. We owe that all to you guys spreading the word, so we appreciate you, and no matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.